Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This is the Cactus League Report on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and mariners.com. Taking you inside Mariners spring training, live from the salty Senorita in Peoria, Arizona, here's your host, the voice of the Mariners, Rick Ribs. And we're live before a cheering cast of thousands tonight here at the Salty Senoritas in Peoria, Arizona, Spring Training 2017. Uh, wow, a lot of games in the books right now. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to uh, sunny Peoria, Arizona. Rick Riz along with Mike Blowers and Shannon Dreyer. Aaron Goldsmith will join us in a little while. Producer engineer Kevin Kremen. We have a great show planned for you tonight. We're going to visit with Mariners first base coach Casey Candell. To start things off, and we're also going to visit with uh, Book Powell. Daniel Vogelback is going to be here. Dylan Overton, Chris Heston, who started the game today. Mike Hampton. Uh, the Mariners are having a tremendous spring down here in Peoria. And this gentleman right here to my left, we'll get to him in a moment, is going to be telling a lot of guys to turn left all season long because the Mariners down here at spring training is going a lot of runs. They have a lot of speed this year, and it's going to be a fun season. Mike Blowers, great for you to join us along with Shannon Dreyer. And I tell you what, over the last couple of weeks, it's been fun watching this ball club get ready. Your thoughts on what you've seen so far? Well, we all heard so much about the speed over the course of the winter, and we saw it front and center today with Dyson and what he was able to do on the base pass, picking up three hits and a couple of stolen bases for him. But I think it's just across the board just how much more athletic they look. And obviously they're swinging the bats extremely well. Going into today's game, the highest batting average of any club. Yeah. Um, So a lot of things are happening. It has been a little bit strange, though, with the – with the World Baseball Classic going on because, yeah. you know, for me, I, I want to see Robbie swing the bat. I want to see Nelson do his thing. I want to see Segura. Um, well, you can on television. Well, <laughs> which, yeah. But not here with the right, ball exactly. Yeah. So I, I think yeah. a lot of positives across the board. Um, I think that the one thing that I really like, too, are the power arms. that they didn't have last year when they broke camp, they had one guy, Tony Zick, that was 94, 95 or better. Um, they're going to start the season with some guys out there that can take care of business. Uh, and I think that will make a big difference for him, too. And, Shannon, talking about uh, Tony Zick, he had a chance to throw a bullpen session today, a little batting practice to Tuffy Gosowich, and it looks like uh, he might be ready to get in the game after another bullpen and another BP session, hopefully, in the near future. Well, they're going to be careful with him because he hasn't thrown in a game for a little while. But Tony himself said everything you know, felt great. He would like another live BP session. And then you know, usually the progression is maybe another bullpen and then into a game we'll have to see what happens at that point. But uh, it, it's been uh, you know, a nice progression for him throughout the spring. 
I think there's a good chance we'll see him in a game before the end of spring. He's got some new mechanics that are actually, it appeared he had a little bit more movement on the fastball today, which is good for him. But uh, just to see him come out yeah. of that, uh, that, that session right there and just the enthusiasm that he had about it was funny. He said afterwards, well, we're going to find out right now. I mean, either my, my arm comes off or it doesn't. He wasn't going to hold much back, he yeah. said. No, he had a great session this afternoon. How about a nice round of applause for our very first guest, He's the Mariners' first base coach, second year with the organization. These coaching, uh, coaches on the staff, uh, Scott Service, Jerry DePoto, have all done a great job. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce Casey Candell is with us live here at the Salty Senorita. <laughs> Casey, how are you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming oh, by wonderful. tonight. Oh, thank you. I'm, you. I appreciate you having me over. It's great to have you here, buddy. You like to have a lot of fun, and this ball club is having a lot of fun. Before we talk about the team and the way you guys have played and getting ready and guys are at the World Baseball Classic and you're taking a look at a lot of youngsters. What are your thoughts about doing the same thing with that 9 o'clock morning meeting, getting to know one another and having a good time there and then going out onto the practice fields and getting ready for the season and getting your work done? Tell us about what goes on at 9 o'clock in the morning for you guys to become a team. Well, I can't tell you everything because there's some... some, some... Some strange stuff, stuff that goes on in there, but uh, no, uh, it's just it's just building com- camaraderie and getting to know different players and new players that have come in, and it's just so important for the continuity of the team and and to get us to get us out there and on the on the same page and going in the right direction. So I think those meetings uh, for us are, are so important just because everyone gets to know one another and, yeah. and they understand that you know it's their team and and. You know they can, they're gonna they're gonna get as close as they want to get and and you know move on from there. But I think, you know, Scotty's done a great job of, of bringing that together and, and letting yeah. them be themselves and be who they are and 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 then show that on the field. It, ma- it makes for a much more relaxed atmosphere for players to, to work in and they can get a lot of work done and, and do do their job. Casey, is that something that you've been around before and done maybe as a player or? somewhere else or is this something that scott has come up on his own to have these meetings that you started last year um i i did it personally but uh you know not as a yeah, team i, I didn't mean, either I, yeah i mean you know i never never had had those type of things it was like you come in you get dressed you go out on the field you stretch right. and you do your work but but looking looking back i mean i, I think i think when, when i played how, how great that would have been to build build that team unity and 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 get to know the other players that, that you might I mean, it's strange because you don't you don't know guys when you come in and you get to know how they are and their personalities and what they like and 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 you laugh together and you you talk about serious things and it's just you know, I, I had never been a part of that before and I think it's great and Scotty brought that in and I think it's it's been tremendous. How do you see that kind of manifest itself throughout the year? Um, I just I just know last year you know after doing it through spring our team our team was together you know we didn't get to the goal that we wanted to get to but. But throughout the season, that 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 team was all you know. It was there, and, and it, it continued throughout the year. And and we battled and battled. We we went through ups and downs, but nobody ever panicked. And and we were all together. And and those guys in there did a great job, you know, sticking together and doing what they needed to do to to finish up strong and have a chance to make the playoffs. So I think that you can't you can't 
you know, overlook that, what it does. You've got a lot of guys out for the WBC right now, and I'm still trying to figure out why you sent Nelson Cruz and told him to steal second. Yeah, I, I, I actually I called him and said, don't ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> Good phone call. Hold on to him right yeah. there. Yeah. But who, who's going to step up in the meetings with, with so many key guys gone? Um, Gerard Dyson has done a great job. He's he's great personality, you know, energy. Leonis is always, you know, always fun. Um you know, we do miss those guys. I mean, uh, you know, Robbie, Nelson, Felix, all uh, you know, all those guys that are gone. It's just, you know, it, it makes it a little bit harder. But, but you know, they'll come right back into it when they get done playing. But, you know, it's just been a it's it's a load of fun, and it gets you ready to get out there and do your work. I mean, I, I just believe that it puts them in a great, great. Um, you know, they're, they're in a great frame of mind when they hit the field to, to get their work done. So. The, other, the other part about it, too, that, I, that I've noticed is, and it's, this is what's really different from when you and I played, yeah. is it's the younger players are involved and they're a part of it right away. Right. And, and look, you, you're going to have to lean on these guys at some point, oh, right. so you may as well get them where when you and I played, it was more sit in the corner, keep your mouth shut. And right. We'll get to you when we get to you. Right, and, and you know, this guy gets them up in front of everybody and has them tell them about themselves. You ask them questions, you get to... You get to know the guy, and it, I mean, it's it's great. I think uh, you know, it immediately builds builds a relationship between the players, so it's great. Visited with Mariners first base coach Casey Candell. Casey, let's talk about this ball club because Jerry Depoto made a lot of moves over the last couple of off seasons to put together this ball club. He had an idea of what he wanted, and he really has now a lot of speed on this ball club. The addition of Gerard Dyson, three hits today, a bunt single, three stolen bases. The addition of Gene Segura, who had 33 stolen bases last year with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Leonis Martin, 24 stolen bases, and he was on the deal for a couple of weeks. This young man here can steal some bases. Book Powell is going to be on the show next. But tell us a little bit about the dynamics, about how this ball club is going to play this year because you have the power in the middle. You scored a lot of runs last year. You hit a lot of home runs, but now you have the element of speed. Yeah, I mean, it just gives you another option in, in, in a way to win a ball game. I mean, you know, last year we, we did not have great team speed, but, you know, we put up numbers because we, we hit home runs and we had we have great hitters. We still have those hitters. Yeah. We've added we've added speed with guys that can get on base. So, I mean, it just it just adds a new dynamic to what you can do to scratch out a win. I mean, and those are those are the important wins of, of the of the season. You know, the ones where, you, you know, it's a tie ball game late in the game and you steal a base and a guy gets a base hit with two outs and you end up scoring the winning run. I mean, base running and being and having the ability to steal bases at any given time with, with the guys that we have just just brings a whole new dynamic to what we can do late in games. I mean, it's not necessarily, you know, early in games. I mean, they're going to steal their bases, but yeah. it gives you the opportunity late in a game to do something that you probably wouldn't do instead of sitting there, you know, you wait for a three-run homer or, you know, hope you get a couple hits, three hits. I mean, we have the ability to now get a guy that's on base, steal the base, get right. a base hit, score a run. Hey, Casey, tell us a little bit about, I think it was introduced last year, but you had kind of the video boards and you have the different kind of numbers and stats and whatnot that you can look at. It used to be just at a stopwatch, but now you've got so many more tools you can use that can aid guys in learning to steal bases better and, and make turns better and, and run the bases better. Oh, I mean, the, 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 the video is just tremendous and the, the scouting reports that you can look at and you can look at things. And, and most, most pitchers have little tells that they have that, that give you an advantage to steal a base. So you always have, I mean, it takes it takes a little bit of studying to see it and, and to know it. And, 
And once you get it, though, it, it gives you a great advantage. So those kind of things, you know, like, like you say, the stopwatch, yeah, it tells you what they, what they get to the plate. But if you can see something before what a guy does when he's going to deliver the plate and what he does when he's going to pick over, it gives you such a big advantage. So those things are huge. We had a chance to see Leonis last year and what he was capable of doing in center field, but now you have Dyson left and Hanniger in right. Um, outside of just being athletic and fast, what kind of outfielders are they? How do they throw? I really haven't had a chance to see either one of them throw. Um, and what are your expectations of them as far as the outfield? Because I know that's something that Jerry talked about, how important it was to cover a lot of ground. Yeah, I, I don't believe the entire year any ball will fall in in the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, good coaching, yeah. No, I would tell them to go out there and run really fast and catch it. <laughs> what a great that's coach. great coaching. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, the, you know, just – just the pure speed that they have. Hanniger runs very well. He's a, he's a great outfielder, has great routes, as does Gerard and, and we know Leonis. But uh, just the ability to cover more ground is, is, going to, is going to allow us to get to more balls and, and get more outs. I mean, that, that in and of itself makes a difference in the game. I mean, you know, if there's balls that you don't get to by a foot or two, they're going to get to. And as far as their outfield ability, just, just – you know, what I've seen in spring and working with them, they, they all have great instincts and, and they get good jumps on the ball. And, and Hanniger has a great arm from right field and, and Gerard has a pretty strong arm from, from left field and, and, you know, the the ability to get the ball in when they have it. So, I mean, it's, it's really, really a great, great uh great group of guys. Visiting with Mariners first base coach Casey Candell. Casey, we're going to keep you here for a couple more minutes here on the Cactus League report. You guys like to have a lot of fun. Nobody has more fun, I think, than you. And uh, last year, you guys kept it loose. Late in the season, you made that run toward a bid for a playoff spot with the eight-game winning streak. And you did it in between there to make things fun, the uh, Mariners Olympics, and you had that gold LeMay bodysuit or whatever it was. You <laughs> came in with the tiki torch, <laughs> the Olympic torch. I still have it on my phone. And yeah. uh, it, was, it was just a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. What do you have planned this year? I don't know. I go out in that suit sometimes. <laughs> I like it. Sharp. I do want everyone to know I was the only one that won two gold medals in the uh, Mariner Olympics. So Congratulations, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And what were yeah. the events? Yeah. Uh, the events. Uh, balloon catching. Okay. Water balloon catching. And uh, golf from the fourth uh, story of the uh, of Safeco onto the into left deck. field. Yeah. The upper deck. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And maybe they'll add those to the Summer Olympics in four years. Yeah, from but, now, where but, but we'll, we'll, have some, we'll have some more stuff going on. We may, we may bring back the Olympics. Who knows, you know. Every four years, that might be too long to wait. So yeah. we'll Casey, see, what was we'll your best memory from last year off the field? Um, off the field, I mean, for me, it's just the um, how, how well – you know the coaching staff got along, and 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 how well you know we had the the you know just the goals of what we wanted to accomplish, and how we wanted to 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 bring our coaching to the to the players and make them understand it was their team, and and that that you know they needed to take it and run with it, and we were there to help them along. And I I just think for me going to the field every day was a pleasure, and and being a part of that, and and being able to be there, and and you know, just help out any way I could was, was, was great for me. But it was, you know, I mean, that, that was awesome. 
Well, you helped out a lot, buddy. And I tell you what, it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be an exciting season. I can't wait for opening day on April the 3rd and the rest of the way at spring training. Ladies and gentlemen, Casey Candell, Mariners first base coach, joining us to kick things off thank live <laughs> from the Salty Senorita. Casey, thank you so much. Coming up next, Mariners outfielder Boog Powell having a tremendous spring. We'll be back live here at the Salty Senorita right after this timeout. Next off on the way, swing and a high fly ball. Deep into the gap in right center field. Going and going off the top of the wall. Marin rounding third. He's going to score. Powell rounding second. Heading for three. The ball kicks out into center field where it's picked up by the right fielder. Holt, his throw in. Powell will check in at third base with an RBI triple. And it's now the Dodgers 12 and the Mariners 6. And he is our very next guest here on the Cactus League Report, live from the Salty Seniority before at Cheering Cast of Thousands. Mariners outfielder Boog Powell. Before we get to Boog, this reminder, Ken Griffey Jr.'s swing will forever be on display at Safeco Field. A statue commemorating his Hall of Fame career is going to be unveiled next month. And when fans join us Friday, April the 14th, they're going to receive a free commemorative statue plus the kid is going to be on hand to throw out the first pitch. Swing by Mariners.com for tickets. That's going to be great. Ken Griffey Jr. statue at Safeco Field. Boog Powell, welcome to the program. Thanks, Thanks for coming for by. Me. Thanks for having me. Boog Powell with an RBI triple this afternoon, as you heard. He came into the ball game this afternoon hitting uh, just 524 and now has four runs batted in for the spring. Did you think that one was gone? Because I did. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Manny that. didn't send you. I, no, yeah. I mean we're down quite a couple runs, so yeah. held me there. It's been an outstanding spring for you. The, the average, you know, is incredible. You're driving the ball like crazy. What kind of spring has it been for you, and and how have you been able to put up those type of numbers in the first couple of weeks? The biggest part was uh, going to the Dominican this off season. Um, played up there with Manny Acta. And got got some at bats and got me ready for spring training and came out here, fixed my swing a little bit and just trying to be a more offensive hitter instead of just trying to be a leadoff hitter and see as many pitches. I'm just trying to drive the ball now and it's working. That's a big change for you because you very much identified leadoff mm-hmm. before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've always tried to get to two strikes or trying to walk and now now I'm actually trying to start driving the ball like one o two o counts the offensive counts trying to be more aggressive, and it's been working out here. Dominican's the perfect place to work on that, yeah, too. Yeah, it, it was. It really was. It was, I, I can't, it was just an overall amazing experience. Why did you decide to make the change? For what, my well, swing? For, yeah, from being just a leadoff hitter to just now you want to get after it and drive the ball a little bit more. What, what made you want to change? Um, well, we had the hitting summit in January, and we were just talking in the, in the um, um, classroom. Right. about just hitting and stuff, and I kind of thought about it, and then I, I talked to Casey about it. I talked to a couple other coaches, and I have the ability to drive the ball. I don't really do it as often as I should because I try to walk. I try right. to see as many pitches for the guys after me, and now I'm just I'm, I'm actually swinging the 2-0 I always used to take, and now I'm actually starting trying to drive the ball and swing a little harder, and it's it's been working out. Yeah, great spring so far. Thank you. What's really interesting about that, Boog, and I didn't know that you had changed, you know, your approach in that mm-hmm. in that manner is, is Rick brought up your batting average, but in the wall in the major league clubhouse, and this just jumped out at me a couple of days ago. You've got the PTPA chart up, and you're leading that too. And I don't know that everybody knows what that is, but can you tell people what that is, and, I and how what do the you T balance it? For. 
team. <laughs> productive team. Pro- productive team, flight appearance. Yeah. Right. So you're still getting the little things done, yeah. too, while yeah. driving the baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just moving runners over, uh, seeing an eight-pitch eight uh, at-bat, um, RBI, anything just productive for the team on offense, that counts towards a PTPA. And, yeah, I, I've gotten – pretty lucky because i mean you could go up and no no one could be on base and it kind of sucks so i've been put in good situations <laughs> to where i can get the job done so you don't get points if nobody's on base unless you get the hit uh, unless, I, at unless you get a hit right yeah. right so it's harder to do that mm-hmm. luke tell us a little bit about uh, the competition a lot of good young players in this camp you know hanniger and you and heredia and gamble of course there's martine out there in center field there's a, so much talent on this ball club now in the outfield obviously yourself included yeah, uh, they're all great guys. I mean, before spring training started, me, Gamble, Heredia, Freeman, we all went fishing out here. So that, that was that was that was a good experience. But no, they're they're all good. They're, we've all been swinging it. So I mean, yeah, it's a competition, but we're all we're not we're all friends. Yeah, catch a lot of fish. Yeah, yeah, I actually did. <laughs> o- o- O'Malley won. He he, I think he caught seven. Have you fished with the fishing coach yet, Mel Stottlemyre Jr.? He's nope. good. No, <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> he was not here River yet. In Idaho, man. <laughs> he gets a big old salmon, man. With the, with the changes that you were talking about offensively, have you had an opportunity to work with Edgar Much or Scott Brocious, and what have they um, been able to help you with? Yeah, um, I actually haven't been working with them much about it. I uh, just I, I had my bat angle set a little far back, and now I'm just trying to keep my elbow up and get a little tilt with the bat to get a little whip and that's that was the biggest change and it's it's really going well well and that's the key to to uh, the key to a good hitting coach is when a guy's hitting 500 leave him alone yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) he's a good coach how you doing yeah just just fine like like the commercial with lee Ilya. yeah exactly uh with ken griffey jr whoever was in the cage visiting with mariners outfielder book powell Bill, tell us a little bit of, you know, coming from uh, the Tampa Bay organization to the Mariners and you, you, you've got to impress a new manager and a coaching staff, what's that transition like in order for you to move forward and, and try to stick around in the big leagues as long as you can? It's, a, it's the same thing. I mean, every organization, I just, I just try to go out there and play my best. I can't control. The only thing I can control is how the, the way I play. Yeah. and getting the jobs done and not making the least amount of mistakes as possible. And that's all I try to do. I, I try not to think about trying to make the team, trying to do this and yeah. that. I just try to control what I can. Go out there and play. Yeah. Did you do the hitting summits both years? Yeah. Were they the same both years, or were yeah. there tweaks yeah. in the second year? No, they were pretty much the same. Uh, PTPAs were a huge part of that, and it's yeah, they were – it was really helpful. What was the impact you saw last year during the season with that as a team? The the PTPAs, um, I mean, just trying to get, like, every every at-bat I could, just trying to do the job. I mean, runner on third, less than two outs, hit a fly ball, just get them in. Any way you can, no matter what, just get them in. And so that that's, that's the mentality I have, and I try not to think about everything else, mm-hmm. just that one thing. It's one thing to talk about it. Do you guys practice that in batting practice or to yeah. work on those things? Yeah, we, we have um, certain – so, like, first round it will be, like, two hit and runs, two get them overs, two get them in. So, yeah, that we, we do that. Right. I can ask you the question one more time for the people <laughs> who knows, you know, about uh, uh, Mr. Powell. How would you get the nickname <laughs> Boog? So, my real name is Herschel Mac Powell IV. 
So they called my grandpa Herschel. They called my dad Mac, and I needed a name when I was little. So I went by Little Mac as for a little while, and then grew up a little bit. And my dad started calling me Boog. I, I remember he coached me, and I hated it because all my friends started calling me Boog, and I I couldn't stand the name. And then it just slowly started to grow, and grow, and it ended up sticking with me. But nothing toward Boog Powell, the former first baseman yeah. of the Baltimore Orioles. Just you were Boog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not related at all. Well, it's well, good to have a Boog. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully you like <laughs> it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We like it. Yeah. And we like having you around the way you've been playing, young man. So. Thank you. So, I tell you what. Uh, tell me a little bit about you know who are you? Who do you watch? You know, you have Scott Brocious here now, who you worked with last year when mm-hmm. you were down at Tacoma, and and Mike brought up Edgar. But as far as the players inside the clubhouse, these guys are really together. I saw Kyle talking uh, with who's uh, Tyler O'Neill the other day. Who do you talk with? Who do you visit with? Who really helps you as some of the senior guys on this team? Uh, Kyle, last year, he 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 did a thing for me, hitting, uh, just keeping my bottom hand straight and uh, flexed, and that that was the biggest thing last year for me. And then the, this year, I'd say just Sean O'Malley. I mean, we talk a lot. Uh, he, he's probably my closest friend on the team. He, me and him are close. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he uh, he's taught me a lot, just the mental side of swinging. And tr- I've told him I've wanted to be more of an offensive hitter, and he's been kind of guiding me along and showing me. Well, I'll tell you what, young man, you're having a tremendous spring. Thank uh, you. you. know, the average is obviously there, but you're just driving the ball over the place. Book, thanks a lot for coming by tonight. We really appreciate it. Have a great rest of the way this spring, and uh, I think you're going to play – and pay big dividends to this organization for a long time. Thanks, Thank Boog. you. Appreciate it. Mariners outfielder Boog Powell back with more live from the Salty Senorita here in Peoria, Arizona, right after this timeout. And again, welcome back. We are live at the Salty Senorita before cheering cast of thousands. Yeah, that's our cue. Welcome to Peoria, where it was, what, 91, 92 degrees today. The Mariners against the Dodgers. Okay. And uh, welcome back to the Cactus League Report. Rick Riz along with Mike Blowers and Shannon Dreyer, producer-engineer Kevin Kremen. Our special guest right now is Mariner pitcher Dylan Overton. He made his Major League debut last year with the Oakland A's. We're happy to have him in a Mariner's uniform. Ladies and gentlemen, Dylan Overton. <laughs> Southpaw from South Weatherford, Oklahoma or yes, something. Yes, yes. So, Way out in Western Oklahoma. <laughs> Boomer. Sooner. There you go. That's for Kevin Kremen right here. He grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tell us a little bit about, introduce yourself to the fans here and on the radio where you were born and raised, and uh, tell us a little bit about Dylan Overton. Well, I was born in Clinton, Oklahoma, which is actually about 10, 15 minutes from Weatherford, and uh, lived there for a few years, and then we moved to uh, we moved to Texas, Round Rock, Texas, until about fourth grade. After that, we moved back to Oklahoma to be closer to family, and I've been there ever since. Good. Well, we're happy to have you in the Mariners organization. What do you think about what's going on now with the ball club? Uh, uh, You've appeared in four games, eight innings, six strikeouts along the way. A couple of days ago, you struck out the side. Tell us a little bit about Dylan Overton, the pitcher. I understand you got a pretty good changeup. Where did that come from? Yeah, I actually didn't start throwing a changeup until sophomore year of college. I had no idea what it was. I never tried to throw it. And then uh, our pitching coach in college told me that it could be a real weapon with the way I throw. So he taught me how to throw, you know, basically just a, a basic circle changeup. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that point on, I fell in love with it. I was able to control it really well. So it, it's my money pitch. Who do you like to watch as a pitcher? 
I told the team in our meetings that growing up, I always liked to watch John Smoltz. Mm. You know, he was one of the yeah. best in the game, yeah. fearless attitude, and I just kind of took from him as I grew up. That's a good one. Yeah, he's a, he was a good one. Did they pick on you otherwise in the meeting yet? <laughs> um, well, yeah, they uh, they all call me Jesus. <laughs> so I don't know if it's just the hair or the beard or, or what, but uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to think about too too much of that because I'm not worthy of that. But you know, it's it's fun to play around with. What about the camp in general? Uh, coming over here and now you're going through this camp and you mentioned the meeting in the morning and then everything else. How's that been for you? And and how's it different maybe than where you were in the in the past? Oh, it's 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 been awesome. You know. And with the A's, it's a little more, I don't want to say strict, but to me it wasn't as fun over there as it is here. You know, here we like to joke around a lot, listen to music, make jokes with the players. It's just, it's really laid back. You know, when, when they called me after I got traded, they said, we want you to be yourself, be you. That's all we care about. And and, and they've stuck to that since the day I walked in the facility. So, you know, it, it's been awesome. This is going to be a good experience for me, you know, change of senior will be really good being from the A's for three years right yeah and you had success in Nashville last year 13 and 5 Dylan with a 3290 RA now you were a starter in the minor leagues and last year with Oakland you started five of your seven appearances uh what do you think about your situation right now working out of the bullpen or you still want to stay a starter and see how that goes or what no I, I I told my wife I don't care what I do as long as I'm in the big leagues you know starting I've done most of my career, you yeah. know, starting young up until college. But, you know, if they want to move me to the bullpen, I'm, I'm all for it. Whatever they want me to do, I'll do for the team. What's it like working with Mel Stottlemyre Jr.? This guy has done a great job with all the pitchers and is now in his second year as the pitching coach here. No, he's, he's a great guy. You know, he's, he's really easy to get along with, easy to talk to. He, he understands what you're trying to do. He doesn't want to change too much, but if there's something that – you need to work on a little bit. He'll let you know, and he, he's been he's been great for me since since I got here. How'd you do with the PFP drills in the net? I think I fared pretty well. I mean, <laughs> some other guys maybe not, but to me, I think I did pretty good. All right, tell the folks on the radio exactly what that was all about. Well, we had a PFP competition where they brought nets out onto the field and they'd put them, you know, they'd scatter them from first base to the plate, second base, third base. And they'd either roll us bunts or hit us ground balls, and we'd have to throw and hit the net. If we missed, it didn't count. And if we hit the net, it counted as one. But later on, they changed the rules up on us a little bit. You <laughs> had to hit the bullseye for two points, and if you didn't hit the bullseye, it was no points. So, I mean, it got a little tricky, but it wasn't too bad. <laughs> Who was the best in your group? I don't, that's, a, that's kind of a trick question, you know. <laughs> he was. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say me, but you know, you we had we had some good guys all in right, there. All right. Did you play any other sports growing up? I did. I played basketball all throughout high school. Played football my junior year of high school. Tore three ligaments in my right big toe. Oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awful. It was awful. It hurts a lot worse than you think. <laughs> but uh, after that, I decided probably shouldn't play anymore. You know, I, I had signed that year to go to OU, and I didn't want a chance of getting hurt again, so I just kind of hung it up after that. Baseball-wise, did you play in the field, or were you always just pitching? 
No, I played first base junior and senior year, and then freshman, sophomore year, I was outfield primarily, and then they moved me to first. Oh, gotcha. Can you hit? I can. All right. All right. Can He's truly play. ready for anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Visiting with Dylan Overton, uh, Mariners pitcher, uh, down here at spring training, having a, having a great spring with so many other guys uh, on this ball club. Growing up in Oklahoma, Dylan, who were some of your favorite players and, and teams in that area of the country growing up? Uh, well, I mean, most guys, he, he was back in 2000. He was actually my high school pitching coach my junior and senior year, Colby Miller. He got drafted in the fourth round, I think, back then. He was on, you know, the state championship baseball team in Weatherford, went 42-0. and They were unbelievable. And, uh, you know, growing up throughout high school, he – I just really looked up to him because I knew he had been through the process that I'm going through right now. Yeah. So he knew what it was like. So I just looked to him for advice, and, and he helped a lot with that. What did he tell you to help you out in this path, you know, spending some years in the minor leagues and now trying to make this ball club? Yeah, he. I think he spent, you know, six or seven years in the minor leagues, and I've been fortunate enough to move up pretty quick. And uh, he told me, you know, whether you move up quick or not, the minor leagues are going to be a grind. I don't care who you are, it's going to be a grind. You're going to go through bus rides, plane rides, middle of night bus rides. So, you know, he said just prepare yourself, stay mentally strong, and you'll get through it pretty easy. Good advice. You've got your pitching coaches. You've also got some good catchers out there. What, what have you learned from some of the guys that have caught you early on? Well, you know, they're all new, so I'm still getting to know most of them. But uh, I'd say, you know, Tuffy, he, he's – he caught me actually in my last game, and he caught me against the Rangers when we played in Surprise. And, uh, you know, he, I think me and him got really good chemistry. You know, for the most part, it, it's like me and him are on the same page the whole time. So, I mean, for me, him just knowing me as a, as a pitcher already in the short time that I've been here has helped out a lot. It's really important to come out, like you were talking about, moving to the pen um, and throwing strikes. I know that's something that Mel has talked about all the time. Is that something you're comfortable with since you've been a starter and now you're going to come out of the bullpen as far as how to prepare and being ready to come in and, and command the strike zone right away? Uh, I mean, I've always prided myself on throwing strikes. It doesn't matter whether I come out of the bullpen or I'm starting. I've, I've rarely walk people, and it's, it's a big deal for me. I don't like walking people. I, would, I always tell people I'd almost rather give up a home run than a walk. <laughs> Depends on people are on base, obviously, but, you know, I don't like walking people. You know, they're free bases. At least right. home run, usually they, they earn it. Right. So, no, I don't, I don't think it's, it's going to be that big of an issue whether they want me to start or come out of the pen. I'll, I feel like I'll fill up the strike zone either way. Great job, Dylan. No walk, six strikeouts on the spring. He's having an outstanding spring. It's going to be a fun season. And hopefully you're a big part of it, Dylan. Dylan, thanks so much for coming by tonight and joining us here on the Cactus League Report. Oh, thank you all. Mariners pitcher Dylan Overton from Weatherford, Oklahoma. Hopefully his address is going to be Seattle, Washington. Live before cheering cast of thousands, we'll be back with more from the Salty Senorita right after this timeout. And again, welcome back. We are live, getting ready for the second hour here of the Cactus League Report from the Salty Senorita before a cheering cast of thousands. Yeah, make some noise. Rick Riz, along with Aaron Goldsmith, joins us now. And uh, Shannon Dreher, and we have a very special guest, Mariner shortstop, 
Taylor Motter is here. Taylor, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming by. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. You are doing very well. 280, a home run, and four runs batted in, and catching everything over there at shortstop. Tell us a bit about your spring and how things are going for Taylor Motter. Things are good. Just excited to be here. Um, being in Arizona is nice. Travel's nice. New teammates, new team, great. Happy to meet everybody, get to know people. It's been fun. Rick, you left out the one epic hair flip. I think it was two. Yeah, there's got to be there one. Two? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the hair flip. It, it went viral. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the flow. You got some great-looking hair, buddy. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say that very often to guys. <laughs> you do. Well, thank you. Um, I've been growing up for a couple of years. Now it was a thing I grew out in low A where I wasn't playing that well. So, of course, it wasn't the player. It was the right. hair. It's the hair. So, grew it out and... Started playing better. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works, right, right, Taylor? Yeah. Taylor, is this a typical spring for you where you move around a lot? We know that you have the ability to play a lot of positions, but have you done this in the spring before? Yeah, when I was with the Rays last year, I actually moved around more. Okay. Um, I played a lot more outfield. I know we're struggling in the infield right now with the WBC, so it's been a lot of infield stuff. But, yeah, last year I would moved from shortstop to right field, and, you know, I was playing all nine a lot of games, so. So this is nothing now that you're playing. No, but, no, I'm I mean, happy. How are you guys doing right now? I know that uh, the skipper kind of made a little bit of an effort to give you guys a little bit of a break this morning because you had been playing so much. Yeah, he's been taking care of us. Um, we had talked a little bit about what the difference was, was playing between here and Florida. And, you know, the workload's a lot different. You know, you show up in Florida, you got a three-, four-hour bus ride almost every other day. So you get to relax, take a little three-hour nap to go to the place. But here you're out working every morning and yeah, going and going. Around. So... Now that we're down a few guys, getting a, that nice show-up late day was helpful. I think that's why Skip started late day today, right? Yeah. Give you guys a little bit of a breather. Yeah. Hey, so, Taylor, we know that last year in Tampa Bay, you played every position but catcher and center field. So what would you say is your natural position? Um, I, I grew up playing short. Uh, I played short in college, high school. So I would say short. And you, and you got to tell us about your, your cameo up on the mound last year as a, as a major league pitcher. Yeah. Uh, well, I was kind of upset. I didn't get to throw in the bullpen. They wanted to hide me, they said. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go in the tunnel in the batting cage and throw out the mound in there to get loose. So when I did that, I got to run out from the dugout to the pitcher's mound, which was weird, too. You figure you get to run from the bullpen. Um, but I got to face two batters. Uh, I think I got a pop-up and a, a hit. I think somebody got a hit off me. But you recorded it out as a major league pitcher. Yeah, I did. I got a pop-up, too. I think it was center field. Well done. Was Kiermaier out there? He, he would have caught everything. Or was he dinged up at the time? I think I think he was dinged up. I think it was Brandon Geyer. Who okay. Was I'd say pitch to center field if I'm pitching for the Rays yeah, last just, season, right? Yeah, hey, hit it up there anywhere. <laughs> and you'll be okay. Yeah. Are, are you scared in that situation? I mean, you're an infielder. You're a shortstop. All of a sudden, now you're pitching. You probably pitched in... Little League or somewhere like that. But now you're in a big league venue and a big league team. You go, oh, I'm i got to throw some pitches here. Well, it was funny. I guess the the clock they have up there now, I'm so used to not really worrying about it in the infield, taking ground balls and getting loose. Well, when I went out there as a pitcher, I threw three balls and was loose. There was still a minute 45 left on the clock, and I was standing there awkwardly on the pitcher's mound. <laughs> let's go. Having no clue what was going on. I was like, guys, we're losing Timing by a lot anyways. Yeah. Let's just get it going. Yeah. Um, so the catcher came out, and he was like, how you feeling? I was like, Man, I'm more nervous now than I was my first at bat in the big leagues. I am shaking. I don't know what to do. I was like, I got a minute 40 to just sit here and wait, and hopefully <laughs> I don't time. hit somebody. Yeah. Um, 
but he calmed me down a little bit through strikes, and everything was fine after the first pitch. So, so. do you have a plan if this happens again? No. Not well, yet. let's hope not, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't happen again. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your debut last year with uh, Tampa Bay and your first hit off a uh, J-Hap. Yeah, I think it was uh, a 2-1 changeup. Um, just a little squiver back to first base. That kind of push-bunish hit that you get, and you just hit it and run. Crazy. <laughs> run as fast as you can. Hey, and you got the ball. Who would you give it to? Well, it's actually uh, – the next day, I hit my home run, and I broke my bat in that game. So I got it all put in a big thing that's on my hanging on my wall now. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Hang on to that, man. Yeah. Hey, so, Taylor, tell us a little bit about how you like to go about approaching the game. I mean, are you a type of guy who is a see-the-ball, hit-the-ball type of guy? Or are you somebody who's uh, in Jimmy Hartley's film room and you got Edgar's iPad you're looking at? How are you as a hitter in terms of the preparation? Um, I would love to say I sit down and prep a lot. But I have too much going on inside my head to uh, sit down and really break down stuff. So I guess I'm a see-it-and-hit-it type of guy who just wants to attack the game as hard as he can. Now, when you say you got too much going on inside your head, does this mean you're just, you're just thinking about something all the time? Oh, yeah. If it's not hitting, it's fielding. Or if it's not fielding, it's outfield. If it's not outfield, it's what that bird's doing up on the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you go about... We know that the days here in the Cactus League are long. You guys show up at the complex really early. Uh, how do you go about splitting up your time getting ready defensively between the infield and the outfield? Yeah. Well, right now it's been pretty easy. It's just been all ground balls with these guys gone. Um, during BP, though, is where I like to get my outfield work in. I feel like I get a lot more with uh, balls off the bat than I would with a, a machine being fed with balls okay. and stuff like that. We know that the, uh, the the morning meetings are such a part of the Mariners' culture right now. Have you ever been a part of, of a team at any level that has done as many uh, – We'll call it uh, trust falls, uh, team-building exercises, as the Mariners have been doing uh, this year and last year as well. Uh, no, I haven't, but I love it. Uh, I think it's great. I think I get to know my teammates more and more every day, um, not only between the lines but outside the lines. I get to know, you know, family, hobbies, what they like to do, um, where they live in the offseason, things like that, that you can get to know them on a friendship basis more than just as teammates. When were you called on in the meeting? Oh, I think I was one of the first ones. And what was that like? Very nerve-wracking. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue what to expect. I think I had a little shake in my hands and my voice. Um, kind of just waiting to see what his next question was going to be and what my next answer was going to be. So it was it caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah. Um, Tyler O'Neill played the piano, right? Played the keyboards. Uh, do you, did you have to do anything like that or sing or anything? No, I kept all my musical talents to myself. But you do have some. No, just no, no. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were just hiding them. Tell us a little bit about working with Edgar Martinez and Scott Brocious. Uh, the, these two guys are so good at what they do. And what have you gleaned from them over the last month or so here at spring training? I still don't think I've reached the tip of the knowledge they have inside of their head. Um, I've been taking it day by day and, and trying to squeeze as much information as I can out of them. But, you know, they're, they're so full of knowledge and, and what they've learned and playing themselves that y you can't yeah. explain it. We, we talked about the morning meetings, but there are also other meetings where you know, they talk about the drills, they talk about uh, base running, uh, different philosophies. Tell us something that maybe you've learned, that made, something that maybe kind of opened your eyes a little bit in one of those. Uh, I guess it would be on the hitting standpoint. The one thing they told me, which makes a lot of sense, um, ground balls are outs. And it just opens your eyes to thinking about, okay, now I can really attack pitches and put a ball into air 
and hope for the best instead of just being happy and content with hitting a hard ground ball. So that changes what you do at the plate because oh, they definitely. allow you to do that. Absolutely, yes. Hey, Taylor, you're a, you're a South Carolina guy, right? Well, I'm from Florida. I went to school in South, South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay, yep. so from the South. Yeah. G- give me the... Um, Give me the southern dish, right, maybe, maybe from college or from home, that you only can get when you're back in the homeland. You just, you just can't get anywhere else when you're around the country. Grits. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm not <laughs> a big grits guy. I wish I had grits. I'm from Chicago, and not I love grits. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, if you, you say know, eggplant parm, you'll make Rick very happy. Mm, just yeah, giving you an inside check. I've plant. had it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I miss Bojangles, honestly. Really? Yeah. I know it's surprising, but Bojangles was a big morning thing before college. Go to Bojangles, get a nice spicy biscuit. All right, spicy biscuit from Bojangles. We know we know how to get four for four out of Taylor Motter. Right. Yeah. Very nice. Visit with Taylor Motter. And, Taylor, you went to Coastal Carolina University. Tell me Chanticleers? Chanticleers. Thank you. Chanticleers. That baseball program has been outstanding, and basketball too. But tell me a bit about the baseball program because we looked it up, and there's been a lot of guys – like yourself, playing the big leagues from the Chanticleers. Yeah, they're a mid-major school. They're a hidden talent that gets looked over in South Carolina between uh, University of South Carolina and Clemson. You know, we, we don't get a lot of guys. We get the hard-nosed, blue-collar guys who are just going to play a game and play it hard, and we're going to play all nine. What was the mascot? Because I remember we, like, opened up the like, yeah, we... wiki it when you were at the end. It's like, oh, we're not. we can't get this. It's a, it's a Chanticleer. It's a... It's a rooster that yeah. is top of the hen house, I guess. Okay. Rules, rules the, it's an angry the coop. Chip. It's the alpha dog <laughs> of the roosters. Yes, okay. exactly. Yep. I was trying to feed that to yeah. Aaron during the broadcast. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. No, they required a commercial break to study before, uh, before breaking it out. I love it. Well, I'll tell you what. I learned something tonight about Taylor, Sean Declears, and uh, Coastal Carolina University. I'm learning a lot about the way you play, and you play the game hard. You play the game the right way. You're having an outstanding spring. Taylor, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming by tonight. No, thank you guys for having me. Mariner shortstop, Taylor Taylor Motter, here on the Cactus League Report. We are live from the Salty Senorita here in Peoria, Arizona, on a beautiful Wednesday night out. And we'll be back with Chris Heston. And he's going to do a great job for the Mariners this year. We'll be back with Chris, who uh, was the signing pitcher today. We'll be back with Chris right after this timeout. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Salty Senorita here in Peoria, Arizona. Rick Rich, Anna Dreyer, Aaron Goldsmith. And our guest here in the second hour of uh, the Cactus League Report is new Mariner pitcher Chris Heston. How about a nice round of applause for Chris here? Chris got the start today, having an outstanding spring for the Mariners, coming over from the San Francisco Giants organization. Chris, tell me a little bit about how things are going so far for you this year. Uh, there's a lot of depth now in the starting rotation. What kind of spring has it been for Chris Heston? Yeah, things are going well. It's been a lot of fun so far. I mean, you know, it, every day it's light in the, in the clubhouse, and it's been a lot of fun. They, they know how to have a good time for sure. But, <laughs> but at, the, at the same time, you know, they get their work done, and, and you know, it, it, they're about their business. So I've had a great time so far, and, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, – a lot more time with them. How do they get you in the clubhouse when everybody has to get up and do anything? Have you done that yet? Yeah, fortunately, I've uh, kind of slid under the radar on that so you're, far. But you're I'm, right there. I'm sure. The yeah, yeah, I get a front row seat of all the uh, presentations. But um, yeah, luckily, I've, I've kind of flew under the radar on that one so far. All right, be ready. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, they'll never ask you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you have a hidden talent, they're going to ask you to do it. <laughs> yeah, there's no coming. escaping that. 
definitely coming. Hey, you're coming over to a new organization and having new eyes on you, having new pitching coach and those bullpen sessions. What, what have you kind of gotten from that? Yeah, I think that's huge. And, you know, Mel's been great, and, and he was a sinker ball guy. You know, he, he kind of knows the kind of game I'm trying to, to accomplish. So, you know, to get to work with him and, you know, and like you said, get some new eyes on me and, and you know, just be somewhere different, I think it's, a, it's been a lot of good. It's been good so far. How is it to take something that might be new into a game in, in a spring training situation? Yeah, you know, but that's what spring training is for. You know, you want, you want to apply stuff to, to get ready for the season and try to find a thing or two that can, can make you that much better, you know, for the season. So that's kind of what it's all about. But at the same time, it's about, you know, you know getting ready and, and doing things that, that you already do, you know, well for spring training. Chris, obviously injury last year uh, curtailed your major league experience a season ago. But two years prior to that, Really strong season for the Giants. And looking at some of the, the numbers on your pitches, uh, just kind of the, the metrics on paper, which most, most, most times are accurate, but sometimes they're not. But your slider and your curveball two years ago at the major league level were two really effective pitches. I mean, these were pitches that opponents were not squaring up. They were not hitting for a high average at all. Uh, we know you got the sinker, but can you talk to us a little bit about the development of your slider and the curveball and, and how effective that those have been at the major league level for you? Yeah, those are kind of two big pitches for me. You know, the, the slider is a big strike pitch for me. It gets me back in counts, uh, you know, in fastball counts. And, and then the curveball is kind of my, my bread and butter, kind of my, my out pitch, you know, kind of gets me you know, early strikes to lefties and stuff. So to, to have both of those pitches going for me, it, it makes, you know, the other pitches like the sinker that much better. Has the has the curveball uh, always been ahead of the slider in terms of that, that strikeout pitch, or is it, has there been kind of been a, a little bit of a race between those two as to which was the most effective secondary pitch for you? Yeah, curveball has kind of always been, you know, my better pitch. I've, I've thrown one my whole life, even when I was young, and a lot of people said it probably wasn't <laughs> a good idea to throw them. Um, I, I, you know, I always had fun throwing them, but... That's probably always been my, my go-to pitch. Okay. Visited with Mariner pitcher Chris Heston. Chris, last year I'm throwing out the window. You were hurt. You were on the disabled list for uh, 60 days. But when you were healthy a couple of years ago with the Giants, here are the numbers right here, 12 wins, a 3.95 ERA. You made 31 starts on the season, about 180 innings pitch. But, you know, that season, one of the highlights for you, the no-hitter, I think on June the 9th of mm-hmm. 2015, against the New York Mets in New York, what in the world was that like for a young pitcher to throw a no-hitter in the big leagues? Yeah, that's a dream come true for sure. You know, that's something you you dream about doing in the backyard as a little kid. And just to get the opportunity to, to do that in New York with, you know, my teammates and my wife was there and, you know, a couple of family members and an old coach. So, you know, just to get to have the opportunity to, to do that was uh, was something I'll never forget. Did you know, and I'm sure you did because it's right here in the media guide, you became the first pitcher to finish a no-hitter with three consecutive strikeouts since a fellow by the name of Sandy Koufax. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, actually, long story short, Joey Malfitano, the old third base coach for the Dodgers a long time, um, actually got me a baseball signed by Sandy Koufax. Congratulating oh my me on gosh. that. So, oh, wow. you know, that's something that, that'll, that'll go in the vault forever. Did you sign a ball for Sandy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, this no, is Chris Hester, man. No, I didn't even strike out the side for the no-hitter, dude, you know. No, but, uh, yeah, that's something special, and it was awesome for him to even, you know, take the time to do something like that. So that's something I'll, yeah. I'll keep forever. What else did you keep from that game? Oh, yeah, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, 
cleats and, you know, balls and lineup cards and, you know, just a lot of memorabilia stuff that, that I've put away in, you know, a shadow box so I can, you know, put it up somewhere. And that's what Taylor, that was Taylor Molly. That's, that's Taylor the word Taylor Molly. And there's a reason you have that word, I bet. <laughs> this is the crossword king in the clubhouse. Yeah, that's true. Every, Every day. day. Every day. Yeah, that's kind of Every part day. of the routine, you know. I try to just get in in the morning and, you know, hang out and do the crossword puzzle and try to train the mind a little bit too, you know. Give us a good crossword word. What, what what pops up a bunch? Oh, there's some good ones. Some stuff like you probably wouldn't think of a bird as an avion or whatever, but <laughs> probably not. Yeah, it's just weird words like that that'll get you. So the Baltimore avion. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking with Chris Henson, Mariners starting pitcher. And Chris, uh, you know, you had a chance to play in San Francisco for a manager that will uh, assuredly be in the Hall of Fame, and Bruce Bochy, and. Uh, Bochi has uh, this very John Wayne demeanor about him, both in terms of his build, uh, his the kind of the swagger that he walks with, and, and his voice as well. Do, do you have a good Bruce Bochi story? <laughs> oh man, no. He, he like you said. I mean, he, he's one of the best. He really is. You know, he, he you can just see him in the dugout thinking. And, and there was an instance where we were playing somebody, and and he literally predicted what would happen in the eighth inning, in the fifth inning. And it went exactly how he called it. So that's just the kind of the manager he is. You know, he's constantly thinking, constantly knowing what's going on in the game. And, uh, you know, it's pretty special to get to play for him. Was he an intimidating guy to come up in the majors to play for? Very intimidating. N- nicest guy ever, but yeah. just his presence. Yeah. And he, he's so big and, you know, he's pretty quiet. So you never know really what he's thinking. So he's a pretty intimidating dude. Can you paint the picture for us what he has mounted on his wall in his office at AT&T Park? He has a monster elk that he killed. Oh, no. <laughs> he said one time, his bare hands. Now, don't tell the people back in the Northwest I've got this on my wall. They'll probably be upset. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. So no, that yeah. Chris Hesson tell me this Well, sorry, Boach. But, uh, that's all. Yeah, no, he's got, like I said, a it's a, It eats up elk. half the office. I mean, yeah, you, you, you walk gotta, in there and you hit your head on it. Yeah, you got to duck around and just get to, his, <laughs> to get to his desk. Joe Madden has a pink flamingo in his office. A <laughs> real one. So everybody has yeah. Hey, Chris, uh, last year you worked with Dave Rigetti, a good friend of mine. We were in the minor leagues together. He had an outstanding career as a starter and then a closer with the New York Yankees. Now you're working with an outstanding pitching coach in Mel Stottlemyre Jr. What have you learned from both of these guys to move forward in your in your major league career? Yeah, you know, getting to work with, with Rags was, was awesome. You know, he did it for a long time at a high level, and, and he did it in the bullpen, and he started, so... To get to work with him was was really cool, but but like I said, Mel Mel was a sinker ball, you know. Yeah. Rags kind of just blew everybody away from what I've what I've heard. So. Yeah. He but he, but he, he was he was great. But you know, to to get with someone who who sunk the ball and, and relied on that kind of game, I think it's going to help. Yeah, your sinker obviously is your pitch. A lot of ground ball outs. When when you don't have the good sinker. Where do you go? What kind of adjustments do you make for Plan B to still go ahead and get people out? Yeah, you, you know, those are the days when you got a battle. You know, you just kind of rely on other pitches and you know location and just just really focus on getting the ball down and try to get ground balls. Really, we see hitters in the cages always talking, hitting to each other, and when they're waiting for their turns, what what happens in the bullpen when you guys when you have your bullpen day and there's six of you up there? What are those conversations? Yes, yeah, like? same thing. You know. You, You'd be surprised how much you could learn from, you know, just watching another guy's bullpen and just the way he does things and goes about his business. So, you know, we're constantly learning. We're constantly talking to each other and trying to help each other out as much as possible. And, you know, like I said, it's constant learning. 
Who have you talked to on this team? A lot of guys, you know, and, and, and you know, this game, this one's a little different because a lot of these guys are, you know, almost my age or, you know, even younger, but, you know, Paxton and but I've had in Smiley, who's someone that I've talked to a lot, but, you know, to have the opportunity to talk to like Giovanni and, and guys who have been around for a long time and, and that's always nice too. The Mariners over the last year and this year, Chris, uh, have talked about controlling the zone as a hitter and a pitcher, getting back into account, not walking anybody as a pitcher, taking your walks as a hitter. Looking at the numbers uh, this year, this spring, you guys haven't, haven't walked hardly anybody. You hadn't walked anybody until, uh, you know, this afternoon, but you're having an outstanding spring. Tell us a little bit about the philosophy. Now, you don't want to walk anybody anytime, but to drive that home, to throw strikes and, and – um, get outs early in the count so you can go deep in the games. Yeah, that, and that's the whole game plan, you know, is to try to get early contact or, you know, early outs as much as possible. And the less four-ball counts you get to or, or three-ball counts or even behind in counts, you know, when, when hitters are up there comfortable, yeah. it makes it a lot easier for them. So it's about pounding the zone, you know, controlling the zone like you talk about and, you know, throwing as many strikes as possible. I'll tell you what, Chris, we are so happy to have you here, buddy. You're going to have an outstanding season. You're healthy. And he's going to play a big role in the success of the franchise this year. Chris, thanks for coming by tonight. We, thanks for having we appreciate me. it. Mariner pitcher Chris Heston, we're going to be back with more live from the Salty Senorita here in Peoria, Arizona. What a night out. Millions of stars up in the sky. We'll be back with more after this timeout. Well, the Mariners' 20-game plan means you have 20 chances to see history with the team that is locked and reloaded and ready to battle in the American League West. As a Mariners' season ticket holder, you'll enjoy great benefits, including guaranteed postseason priority. You can pick out your plan now at Mariners.com slash 17. Now, I've had years of watching Rick do this, so let's give this a shot. The cheering cast of thousands. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rick, that's not so hard. It's that's a piece of cake, Aaron. All right. You, I appreciate you writing it down for me, though. Yeah, you let them do all the work. Yeah, they come out here. Alley-oop right there. Hey, we, we have the greatest fans in baseball from the Pacific Northwest all the way down to Peoria, Arizona. They're from all parts of the Pacific Northwest. They come here to the show. They've been baked out in the sun this afternoon at 94 <laughs> degrees. And here they are tonight to come by to see Casey Candell and Boog Powell, Dylan Overton. Great talking with Chris Heston and Taylor Motter. That's what I love about this show is because you and I and Shannon, we get a chance to find out a little bit more about these guys. We see them in the clubhouse or getting ready, and sometimes, you know, you know, should I talk to him right now? Doing or not? crossword Shannon puzzles. Doing crossword <laughs> puzzles. I don't want to interrupt, you know, if he's working on something. So this is great for us because we get to know these guys and then the season starts, they're on the airplanes, we're at the hotels together and at the ballpark. And I tell you what, it, it truly is uh, a dynamic where everybody comes together as a team. You know, us and, and the players, and uh, to really find out who they are, where they come from. They're a lot more than just baseball players. You know, they got moms and dads who uh, put the love of baseball in them and took them to Little League practices and went on to college or high school and and uh, it's really nice this time of the night to get to know these guys in a relaxed atmosphere. It is, and it's so neat to see the value that Jerry DePoto and Scott Service have put on everyone in camp. And Jerry said this last year, and Scott said this, we're going to see almost each and every one of these guys up at some yeah. point. They yeah. are part of the team, not just when they come up, they're part of the team right now. And, and lo and behold, it happened. And so they look at a roster as not 25. They look at it as 40 and then possibly 45 as guys come and go as needed right. too. But uh, they absolutely set the culture in spring training, and it's not just the coaches. It's the veteran players. It's very important to Robinson Cano. He talks passionately 
about this and about making sure that everybody is welcomed in and feels a part of the team. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's very different. Yeah, and I think the key was for Scott Service, Jerry DePoto, to go to the veterans on the ball club last year and to say, you know, this is what we need to do. And they took ownership in that, and they're the guys that make it happen. They're the guys that actually run the ball, the clubhouse. And Scott Service said, this is your team. This is your clubhouse. And so if you see any kind of success going on with, you know, 60 guys in camp right now, and now, what, 52 with uh, cuts about four or five days ago, it's because the veteran leadership, Aaron and Shannon, they have to make it happen, and they're making it happen. Well, there's been an incredible amount of buy-in by everybody, top to bottom, whether you are the uh, 62nd guy who was invited to big league camp or you are Felix or Cruz or Cano. And I know, Shannon, you and I were – we're talking about this before. We were rudely cut off by out number three the other day on the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was, this is the start of year two for this regime, and yet it's pretty incredible how much it feels like this has kind of been the norm for such a long time. And I think that really speaks to uh, how much not only everyone has bought in in terms of the personnel on the field, but also you think about the bigger picture, right? Think about guys like Andy McKay who are running the farm system and kind of preaching the good word to the guys who are coming up, the Tyler O'Neills and those type of guys who now we see in the Major League camp who are now kind of humming the same tune that the guys like Nelson Cruz and Robinson Cano are doing the same thing. Yeah, and it's something that it's going to kind of go in circles. I mean, you build from the ground up, but what they have at the top, a lot of it's there because it was doing mm -hmm. those things yeah, yeah. Is this a chicken or the egg, Shannon? Is that I, I where we're going? I think that's what I'm trying to do, and it doesn't work very well on radio when I'm doing this <laughs> with my hands. But you, you look, look at this. like you're Italian. <laughs> Which is fine with you, right? Which okay with me. Talking I with, talk my with my hands. I do do that. Talking with her hands. I cook like an Italian, too, for I 12 like at all times. Um, what, you know, they came in, and they were there were systems that they wanted to put in place. And I, I think that we heard about it, and we're all, how's this going to fly with a big league club? Well, no, you start in the minor leagues. And we talked about the PTBAs being introduced into the Major League Clubhouse. And it's something that they knew what it was, but it wasn't something you posted where you would post it in a minor league clubhouse and just kind of a different kind of teaching method. But I think the eventual goal is they have this is what a Mariner hitter should be. And you know what? You're not moving up until you do these things. I don't care if you hit 50 home runs. If you can't get the guy in from third base, you're not moving yeah. to the next level. And so you heard Boog Powell talk about that, and, and that was what was important for him. And at some point, and it's just two years in, you're going to see player after player after player come up with that profile, with that personality. And it'll be just kind of a Mariner stamp that they put on people. And it's a brand of baseball that's being set right now in the minors, starting to be introduced with the kind of terminology in the majors, although a lot of that's already going on. And when you look at the best franchises over the last, you know, five or ten years, whatever you might want to call it, they all have a sustainable farm system, right, that kind of feeds itself. Oh, yeah. and, and they all have that type of player that has a certain DNA. And we're seeing that. I mean, Jerry is going after those guys yeah. via trades, via free agency as well. So you're right. It's kind of feeding the beast at, at multiple different levels for the Mariners right now. Yeah, I like the way that Jerry's put together this ball club. The different pieces uh, fit like gears. And uh, everybody adds something. And to go out and get the speed that he went out and got. And, and Dyson, we saw that tonight. How many fans here saw Gerard Dyson get on base three times tonight? Three singles. Uh, How many saw him back up third base and make a tag at third? <laughs> How about that play? That was incredible. I go, no one's at third. Yes, Gerard Dyson is at third oh, base. And he took the throw and they got Trace Thompson. Trace Thompson is going, where did you come from? 
But, you know, that's just baseball savvy speed, knowing what to do at the right time. It's their newest shift. <laughs> that's the, sh- the shift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, because you're on a position. Third baseman is over there. It was uh, Kyle Seeger that eventually got the ball and threw to Gerard Dyson at third base. What have been some of the highlights for both of you so far uh, this spring, watching this team come together as a team? Well, first of all, an update. Uh, Felix, four scoreless for Venezuela today, tonight rather, against uh, Drew Smiley. Uh, Drew Smiley's just given up one run, and there was an error of his own that was involved. Oh, it was, it. His, it was his, his error. So, okay, okay, that's it's your still bad. still technically but, an unearned run. Yes, but uh, it was a, kind of a manufactured run with an error and a bunt. And Smiley's uh, night is over with for Team USA going uh, four and two-thirds. Eight punch-outs for Smiley. Since when did, did uh, Smiley become the, yeah, the, the king of the strikeout? But, yeah, Smiley has done, so uh, that, that's your WBC update. That's what we wanted, a pitching battle in that one. That's right. That's, uh, Scott Service and Jared Apollo are very happy about that. You know, uh, Rick, to get back to your question in terms of uh, things that have been most uh, exciting to see so far this year, the speed is the easy answer. I know when we talked about this a little while ago, I I really enjoyed uh, seeing all the fun that these guys are having, uh, which is really reflecting itself, I think, in some really positive results on the field. It's easy to make that comparison when they are playing well, right? But, I mean... You have a mariachi band and a guy taking BP in a sombrero, <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's a good thing. And, it, and it's it's yeah. pretty easy to stay loose, and uh, it just it just seems to me that those teams that have such great success at this level obviously have to be talented, but they have to be able to flush things, right? They have to be able yeah. to flush a bad at bat, a bad game, even a bad series. And to me, it seems like the Mariners are building the type of foundation that would make that easier to do than for most and let's face it it will happen to every team at some point over the course of the season and uh, I I think you both agree and the fans here agree I I love watching the kids come up from the minor league camp to find out what it's like to play in a big league game these are big league games these are big league players it's spring training but they're big league games to see a Luis Liberato come up to home plate and hit a shot off the wall in the left center field hit off the top of the wall bounce way back in the center field have an inside the park home run I love seeing these kids. Watched him in a B game the other day. He's out in center field, run around at second against the uh, San Diego Padres. I'm standing next to Alvin Davis and James Lofton, a minor league coach. There was a base hit into left center field, and James Lofton turned around and said, watch his arm. He charged the ball, got to the ball, threw the guy out at home plate by about 10 feet. I love watching the kids because these are the great stories. These kids are going to be in the big leagues. I want to point this out. We saw two big comebacks a couple of days ago when those kids were in, when you had Ian Miller yes. stealing bases, when you had Liberato bouncing them off the walls, when you had Joe DiCarlo coming up with a couple of big hits, and they were doing everything. You know, They were advancing yeah. the guy who was on base. I don't think it's any coincidence that we saw those comebacks. They were playing the brand of baseball that they're playing in the minors right now that gave the Mariners the highest winning percentage in organizationally yeah. in the minor leagues all of last year. And when you talk about building the system when you look at what you have right now in the minor leagues and when you look at what you have in the outfield. Kyle Lewis, I saw him out on the field today uh, doing a number of drills with a trainer, no brace on his knee. They're still targeting a July uh, return for him. They're being very careful with that, but you know he's off the anti-gravity machine. He is running on the ground right now, and he's running on Earth. Is he's, what you're he's saying? He's back on Earth, <laughs> which is a really good thing to say. It's always a good starting point if you're an athlete. But he was out there. You look at what Tyler O'Neill and how close he could possibly be. You look at the pitching and uh, Andrew Moore, uh, Max Posey is yeah. starting to open eyes. I mean. Yes. 
those two very well could be mainstays in the rotation in another year. And and people talk about the farm system and, oh, you don't have much down there. I can count a couple of outfielders that you could see in a year. I could count a couple of starting pitchers that you could see in a year, and, and that's huge. And watching these kids play, I understand why the Mariners' seven farm clubs last year all made the playoffs. They're playing the game the right way. Rick Riz, Shannon Dreyer, and Aaron Goldsmith. We're going to be back with more. We'll have an interview with Mariner bullpen coach Mike Hampton as the Cactus League report continues live from the Salty Senorita before a cheering cast of hundreds now here in Peoria, Arizona. But they're still making some noise. We'll be back after this timeout. Hey, everybody, it's a giveaway guaranteed to be a hit. Wednesday, April the 19th is Ichiro Dual Bobblehead Day. Ichiro's coming back. This collectible commemorates the former Mariners hitting milestones thanks to Root Sports. It's free to the first 20,000 fans when the Miami Marlins and Ichiro himself face the Mariners. Tickets at Mariners.com. The Mariners' first homestand of the year, April the 10th through the 19th, three against Houston, three against Texas, and then the Marlins come to town with Ichiro on April the 17th, 18th, and the 19th. Coming up here, uh, Aaron Goldsmith had a chance to catch up with Mariners uh, bullpen coach Mike Hampton. Mike has been around the game for a long time, a two-time All-Star, 20-game winner back with the Houston Astros in 1999. He won 22 games. He was 22-4 and four that season. His second year as a bullpen coach, here's Aaron Goldsmith with Mariners bullpen coach Mike Hampton. You know, Mike, the bullpen last season kind of went from a bunch of strike throwers who lacked some upper-tier velocity to all of a sudden by the end of the season you had the strike throwers plus a ton of velo. When you look back to last year, how do you see the bullpen for the Mariners kind of evolving? Well, um, coming into spring training, and when we left spring training, it was quite a bit different. Um, we added uh, Nick Vincent later, um, and then, uh, you know, uh, the closer being Ciszek, and, and he did a good job for us. Um, we kind of, you know, evolved, honestly, uh, probably a little quicker than, than most of us had thought with uh, Edwin Diaz coming into the, the mix uh, probably about mid-season. And uh, by the end of the season, we were uh, we were clicking on all cylinders, Cishek uh, really did a great job of embracing the eighth inning role. Um, with Diaz sliding into the ninth inning role, we got a uh, another Archimedes came over from Pittsburgh, and you know we had another guy throwing a hundred. Uh, Vincent with the cutter, you know we had some guys with uh, like uh, uh, Scribner came over and just a strike thrower with a uh, pretty much a, a curveball he could throw any time for a strike. He had a a fastball that he could put pretty much anywhere he wanted. So we had a lot of different looks that we could give a give a team. And uh, as uh, honestly, probably about two to three months into the uh, the season, we just I mean took off, and these guys were doing some special things, and we were able to give a bunch of teams a bunch of different looks. So as personnel changes over the course of the season, how does that impact your job on a day-to-day basis? Well, I mean, you know, you can look at some video, but uh, you know, I like to put my eyes on guys. Uh, I think Jerry does a great job of getting some guys in here. We got a lot of depth this year. Uh, we got a lot of guys on this team that's probably not going to make our, our mm-hmm. team coming out of spring. That would make a, a lot of staffs in the major leagues. So uh, we're real fortunate that we have a lot of depth. And if one of these guys has a hiccup or has to go down for uh, a little bit, we uh, we got a, a pretty good second tier of guys that can come in and, and fill the gap. So fans see you from time to time, uh, whether they're in the ballpark or certainly watching the game on television, and they, they see Mike Hampton kind of standing guard in the bullpen as guys are warming up. So once the first pitch of the game is thrown at 7:10, what is the rest of your night like in terms of the work that you do back in the bullpen? 
Well, to be honest with you, we try to have a little fun down there and kind of keep it, you know, as relaxed as possible until uh, until it looks like we're going to uh, have a chance to start uh, eating up some innings. And uh, so we just, you know, we we, we kind of we stay tuned to the game. You know, I want the guys to be engaged in the game, but I also don't want them to be so super focused that they're drained by the time they get out there. So, uh, you know, this is my first year. Uh, last year in the bullpen, coaching the bullpen, but you know I pitched a little bit in the bullpen early in my career and late, so I kind of got a handle on what I do, and I kind of share some of that knowledge with them. But uh, you know we have some veteran guys suited down there that have done it for a while, uh, especially last year with um, with Benoit, and um, you know he he kind of would take some of the younger guys through through some of that process. So uh, it was good to kind of lean on them. They lean on me. Like I said, we kind of try to keep it light and fun down there. But when uh, when they step on the rubber, I kind of give them a little bit of information on the, the hitter weaknesses and strengths. And also, I uh, don't remember that it's pretty tough to hit. So use your strengths as well. You had an absolutely sensational career in the major leagues. In one of your all-star seasons, 2001, you were pitching for the Rockies. And that was, of course, the all-star year in Seattle. What do you remember about your all-star appearance at Safeco Field? Well, you know, it's uh, it was it was fun to go back. Um, you know, it was '93 when I was there the last time. Um, you know, as as a Mariner, and then uh, I think one other time during uh, interleague play. But uh, it was nice just to, to enjoy the city, uh, enjoy the people, and then even last year it was just amazing. Uh, how nice people are, and how, what a great city it is to, to be around and be in. Um, but anytime you get in the All-Star game, you you try the best you can to kind of soak in as much as you can. Just really enjoy the moment because uh, not everybody makes it one. And uh, you know, to go back, this it was my second time. You know, the second time around, I was probably a little bit more relaxed, knew how to handle the situation. But uh, and then my uh, my former manager was there, so I got a chance to talk to Lou. And uh, you know, I was a 20-year-old kid when 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 I was traded before, so uh, I probably. Had a little gray hairs by then, but uh, just to see the evolution of uh, the Kingdom and then being back in Safeco Field and what a beautiful ballpark they had built and uh, just having fun with it. You know, the All-Star games are meant to be fun, and uh, you know, I'd do my best to, to, to have, have that much fun. Is there a loose story that stands out for you among all others during your times with him? Well, I mean, he's just, you know, you know what Lou's like? He's just honest. And I remember him coming to the mound, and it was simple as, son, if you don't throw strikes, I can't use you. So I was off to the off to the uh, the dugout, and I was like, probably makes a lot of sense, you know. I was I was probably in all the situations. Like I said, I was 20 years old in the big leagues, and uh, I was facing guys that I had been collecting their baseball cards a couple of years, you know, prior. So uh, probably a little over my skis at that part, uh, that point in my development. But uh, he uh, he was straightforward. He was a lot like my father. He didn't have to worry about what he was thinking. He was going to let you know, and I, that's the kind of way I liked it. Hey, you won the Gold Glove and the Silver Slugger in the same season. You're the first pitcher to ever do that. Which award meant the most to you at the time? Well, honestly, the Gold Glove because I mean, no one's stopping Maddox from winning that thing. He won like <laughs> he won right. like 200 in a row. Um, but you know, he and I look back on um, you know just his career as a fielder. I mean, he just got so many chances because he knew what he was doing the ball, and I mean, they were hitting it on the ground. And uh, so probably the, the Gold Glove at that time. I mean, I, I enjoy hitting, and everybody understands that and knows that I, I work at it. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be able to help myself, help my team as much as I can. The way I see it, if I scored a run, if I bunted a guy over, you know, I was not only helping the team, but, hey, I was giving me a, uh, another run, another chance at a, at a run. So I took that pretty seriously. But uh, the goal glow sticks out the most. Finally, Mike, when, when you were in high school, you were a fantastic football player as well. And you were awarded a dual scholarship to Florida State for both football and, basket, or football and baseball. What, what position in football did you play? Uh, I was a defensive back. That was uh, you know, my 
junior year, I believe I had 10 interceptions, and that was kind of when I started getting noticed. Uh, I could run a little bit, uh, ran the option quite a bit at quarterback, yeah. threw a little bit, but we had a pretty uh, pretty strong tandem in the backfield, so I ran a lot of the options, stuff like that. So I was more of a probably an athlete than a position guy. I, I did play safety, like I said, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed hitting quite a bit, so that's kind of what I look forward to, uh, get some payback on those defensive end, those linemen that used to clobber me in the backfield, so uh, I'd catch them kind of looking up for a ball on a punt, and I'd, I'd wreak havoc as much as I could, but uh, it was just something I played since I was uh, four years old. I loved football, and I mean, I was, uh, my dad, you know, I think it helped my mentality in a lot of other areas, but I mean, you got to tough it up, tough it out in, in, in that sport, so uh, being 5'10", on a good day, <laughs> going up against some six-two, six-four receivers uh, probably wouldn't have been my best option. So being left-handed, I was fortunate enough to have the option to play baseball as well. Is there a Bobby Bowden recruitment story at all in the mix here for you? No, not really. I mean, I, I honestly, like I said, I mean, I, I was actually getting recruited by Florida too. I went to more University of Florida games. Right. You know, sat on the sidelines there. I have, uh, you know, I was sitting in the recruiting meetings and stuff like that uh, more so. And I think. Baseball was definitely first at Florida State, and then you know with the option you know to, to play football. So I remember meeting with Mike Martin through the baseball scholarship side. Here, uh, one of his favorite places was Cracker Barrel, and that's one of mine too. So that's where we picked for breakfast. So, uh, but more uh, more baseball oriented in our in our meetings. Hey, Mike, you've been really kind with your time. I know this is a very busy time of the year for you, like everybody else. So thank you so much. It's been good catching up with you. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me on. Well, what a visit between Aaron Goldsmith and uh, Mike Hampton, uh, two sports star in high school and had a chance to go to Florida State on a football-baseball scholarship. Uh, I was really hoping that there was some Bobby Bowden, you know, yeah, some great epic Bobby Bowden story, but that's okay. Yeah, here's a Cadillac in the driveway. <laughs> <or something>. <laughs> Aaron, you <laughs> should have heard what he offered me. That doesn't <laughs> end. <laughs> yeah, we had a kid, Mike Wilson, right? Uh, that uh, I guess Oklahoma offered more money, but he's tied with baseball. <laughs> anyway, hey, great show, guys. It was fun visiting with uh, Casey Candell and Shannon. That's always a lot of fun talking with Casey Candell and, and all the other guys as well. You know, it's funny. I just realized every time we have a coach, they're about where they're tired. They they have such long days. Yeah, I know. It's just like, they're they, are, they might be the hardest. If we could days. find a, if we could find a nocturnal cameraman, a day in the life of a major league coach in spring training would be pretty good. But, but you'd have to you'd have to be up at the worst hours of the day. I think Tim Bogar already is at the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> he slept Bogar, Bogar he's up working again. out right now. Yeah. He's he gets the, here before the, everybody. Yes. But this is the hardest working uh, crew in show business. Uh, this coaching staff, and I tell you what, this uh, spring has been a lot of fun. There's still a lot more left to go this year as this club gets together. What 52 still in camp, Shannon? With Obviously, uh, a lot more cuts to go. But I'm looking forward to the guys coming back from the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I am, too. It's great to see that, you know, the match between the U.S. and Venezuela turned into that pitching matchup. And Drew Smiley's going to come back having struck out eight, eight. In four innings. How about that? one nothing Venezuela. So really exciting. Yeah. It's something to look forward to is what do these guys look like when they get into spring and just knowing that they've, they've had that competition and yeah. are ready to go. Can't wait to get them back. They're having a lot of fun right now. Thanks a lot for joining us live from the Salty Senorita before a cheering cast of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 <laughs> folks here tonight. We will see you next week from Peoria, Arizona, as 2017 spring training continues. So long, everybody. Can it, Matt. See you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 